1: Hello PuddleTills! This week, I speak to investigative journalist and broadcaster, Ellie Flynn. At 27, Ellie decided to go to the doctor and get her fertility checked due to a familial history of early onset menopause. And the results she received means that she decided to get pregnant and have a baby earlier than a lot of her peers. So we discussed motherhood, the pressure surrounding the decision of when and if to have a baby, as well as her work going undercover, especially in her documentary for Channel 4 last year about sexual harassment, which if you haven't seen it, you absolutely should and you can up on all four. It's called "Undercover Sexual Harassment: The Truth." I really hope you enjoy the episode. And as always, please do rate, review, and subscribe. It helps others to find the podcast. Happy listening. Bye.
2: So I always knew there was a risk that I might go through early menopause because my mum did, my nan did, one of my aunts did as well, and everyone in my family had kids really young. So my mum was 22 and she had me, so. There was sort of no way of finding out whether anyone in my family could have a child past about 25. So I was like, right, I'm just going to go and get a fertility test done just because it was weighing on my mind. I was in a long-term relationship. You know, I thought we'd probably want to have kids one day. And so I just thought we'd go get this test done. And the results came back and I was told that I had a low egg count and a low AMH, which is a hormone which is an indicator of fertility mine was a lot lower than it should have been at i think i was 27 or 28 when i had the time when i had the test probably 28 so mine was a lot lower than it should have been and so what the doctor said was this means that you probably don't have as long as other women do to have children if you want to especially if you want to have more than one he was like i think you need to start thinking about it within the next year <gasps>
1: So what was your reaction in that moment? Was it, were you anticipating that answer at all? Or were you kind of thinking, I'm just going to get this done, but it's going to be fine?
2: No, it was, it was pure shock. So I'm, I think part of me had, I'd definitely been worried beforehand that that was what I was going to get back. And my boyfriend kept being like, don't worry, like, I'm sure it's going to be fine. Like, it's not, you know, it's not going to be that. And I think part of me knew that it probably was the result I was going to get. But I, yeah, I just, I sort of like the doctor just, I just remember like listening. So like, one, you know, when you hear that when people say about when you get bad news from a doctor and it's just like, it washes over you and you're not really paying any attention to what they're saying. And my boyfriend was asking all of the questions and it was during COVID. So we we were at my mum's house and we had a pair of headphones and we had mm. one ear in each. And we were both like listening to this the diagnosis on my phone like, in my childhood bedroom. And it was just like the most surreal situation. And yeah, my, my boyfriend was asking all these questions and I just like couldn't even... I couldn't even think straight. I couldn't even think about anything that I needed to ask. And all I could think about was just like, oh my God, what does this mean? He was talking about freezing my eggs or freezing embryos and IVF and all of these sort of huge words that I just, I couldn't wrap my head around.
1: I think it's so confusing because we're going on a time, especially where everyone's like, put your career first, like you don't need to have kids straight away. And then sometimes, and I think like a lot of the conversations that I have with my friends is like, that's all great, but then what if, what if that isn't the case? And like in your case, sometimes you don't have as much time as we're told we're going to have. Initially, before this had happened, were you imagining that you'd have kids much later down the line? or? Yeah,
2: I'd be like mid-30s, I think, before I'd even start thinking about it if this hadn't happened. I was like, you know, I love my job. I felt like my career was going really well. It was not the time that I would have chosen without this happening for me to have had kids. I probably would have waited for a few of my friends to have done it first. I followed them, did it when they did it. Yeah, it just, it was, it was definitely not anything that I was planning on happening anytime soon. And then I got, yeah, they told me this news and it it just completely changed. It just completely changed everything, really.
1: How long did it take you from that moment of having that conversation before you were like, actually now it's now or never?
2: Yeah, so it was, so I did have options, you know, one option was to freeze my eggs and it took us like a little, you know, we had a conversation about it for a while and I sort of ummed and with the egg freezing idea, but. I know I'm quite squeamish and like I sort of just like didn't want to go through with it I was like oh I don't know needles and like that sounds long (laughs) (laughs) I'll just be pregnant for nine months (laughs) I'll just get pregnant have a baby that's not long at all (laughs) that's super chill um so I just yeah I just I didn't really love the idea of egg freezing and then what mostly put me off was the fact that that was all well and good. But then what if I struggled? What, and I knew I wanted kids. I knew it's something that's important to me and I knew I wanted to do it with my partner. And so I was like, is it is it mad to sort of kick it down the line, freeze my eggs and then just spend the next sort of eight years worrying about whether it's going to work, potentially struggle and, and it might not work. And then, you know, do I have the regret forever of not just doing it when I was younger? And it's hard. And it's like, you know, like you said, I think for, our generation particularly people are i mean there's loads of reasons why people aren't having kids like careers coming first they're expensive people are doing it later so i think you have the kind of peer element of it but and it and it's like it's such a polarizing subject where i feel really conscious of what i say about it because i don't want to like scaremonger everyone into having kids when they're 25 because what ha- what happened to me is super rare and i know that like it's not the right decision for everyone and it's not helpful sort of pressuring women into feeling like they've got this ticking time bomb that means they have to do it quickly but also i think we need to be a bit more frank about the fact that for some women there is a ticking time bomb and for me that was the case and you know i just think it comes down to better education and like i'd love to see more sort of options for i had to go private to get this fertility test and you know i'd love to see more options like that on the nhs or for people to be able to kind of get as much information as possible in a way that's like affordable and also not scary.
1: I think what you said about it being so polarizing is so true. And I think another interesting aspect is you saying like, oh, I don't want to scare anyone. But I remember friends said to me once, I was like, oh, I don't think I want to have kids now. I think I want to get my career down. And I'm like, I'd love to have kids when I'm like thirty six. And she was like, I only you can say that. Whereas she, what she wanted to do was get married, have a baby. And I think we were like twenty seven. We had this conversation. She's like, I would never say that because, in like probably more so in London, like maybe in our circles, there is almost this like shame element to wanting to be a mum. Younger and twenty eight isn't even really that young in the history of mothers. Do you know what I mean? And so I think we've gone too far the other way, where people are thinking like, God, I can't, I shouldn't have a baby because I've got to wait. Not even because of um like any of the career or other reasons, but because it feels like that's the done thing now. Do you yeah, know what I mean? No,
2: definitely. Yeah, I think I think that definitely people are doing it later, and I think that as with anything, it's a decision that you want to make with your friends. You want to do it with your mm. friends. You don't want to feel like you're the only person doing it, but that is difficult for someone that knows from a young age that that is what they want. And if they feel like they're ready to, I think you're right. There can be a sense that, you know, people are going to judge you or people are going gonna to sort of think you're weird for like wanting to be a mum before 30, which really isn't that weird in the grand scheme of things.
1: No, I think it's only in the last like maybe five to ten, even less than 10 years, that it has been like really normalized that people would be like in your 30s is when you have a baby. But like if I speak to most of my friends, most of, I mean, my mum had me quite late because I was the third, but most of my friends' mums were having them in the early twenties. That was like the complete yeah. norm. And I think sometimes like feminist conversations around motherhood have almost gone too too far. Like you said, like trying to encourage women that they don't need to feel rushed. But then I do get worried sometimes. I'm like, what if I'm going, okay, great, well, I'll just have a baby at 40, which women do more and more. But what if that isn't available to me? It's just I think it's such a minefield and it's really it's really tricky because we're not necessarily making decisions just based on when we want to be a mother. There's like yeah. so many other things. It's sometimes like not necessary factors coming into play like peer pressure or societal yeah. ideas.
2: And it's really hard. And I think it's important that there's, I think that's why more people need to speak about it on both ends of the spectrum. Like I think it's important that people who want to have kids younger feel like they can. And that there is maybe more awareness of some of the fertility issues that women might might face especially as they get older but also not doing that in a massive scaremongering way which is like well if you don't have kids by 30 then you're going to be infertile Mm -hmm. Um, because that's also not true yeah and i think it's like normalizing people who don't want to have kids who maybe aren't that fussed by kids and are happy to leave it until they're in their late 30s if it happens it happens if it doesn't it doesn't while also supporting women who think actually, I know I really, really do want this. And so I want as much information as I can get in my 20s or in my early 30s, so that I then maybe don't have the panic when I get older, if it doesn't happen.
1: What did you, cause your, I mean, your career from watching from the outside, that's how you're going from strength to threats You've got like a really exciting documentary coming out, which we can talk about later. But you've, your baby is seven months old and you've still been working. So how is that? Because I can imagine that would have been such a big thing. Like you're front facing, you're on camera, you're doing quite dangerous work sometimes. Having a baby in that environment or being pregnant in that field of work is probably quite scary. And especially people in the media do tend to have children later because you've got to get those, you know, big bits of work out the way so that you're established. How has that impacted your career? So in a way,
2: it's been way better than I thought it was going to be. So... I made the decision to have a baby and I was fine with that decision, but I was like, okay, this is it, my career's over. I'm gonna have to be a stay-at-home mom now and that's the only option. And I was just convinced that I would never get any more work. And I really, really felt so anxious about it and I worried about it so much throughout, particularly the early part of my pregnancy. And then, and I didn't tell anyone work-wise that I was pregnant until I was like eight months pregnant. Um, and I was meant to be doing all these documentaries, and I was like, oh, by the way, I can't start yet because I'm having a baby next week.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then they seen you like, did you not show for ages? No, I mean, there's
2: one, there one guy that I just because it was all on Zoom because it was like just after COVID. And there was one guy, the exec for the documentary that I'm making, who I've been chatting to him for ages about this. And I was like, it might not get commissioned for ages, anyways. There's no point just like putting a hold on anything. So I was like, just like, have the conversations, see what happens. And then it was sort of in the final stages as it was like about to get commissioned. And I went for this meeting at Channel 4 and I turned up like eight months pregnant. <laughs> and he was like, Oh. And I was like, Oh, yeah, I don't know if anyone told you but I'm pregnant, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and he was, and everyone was just so nice and like oh, was like good. really fine about it. And actually, it hasn't been an issue at all like i'm working on a podcast investigation which i had to stop halfway through which they were all totally fine with and channel four and this production company have been so accommodating and like just so accommodating throughout the production process as well i went back to work quite early and you know they were like offering to let me bring my baby to shoots if i needed to you know they i was breastfeeding so they were giving me time to pump in the middle of the day and it was all everything was really really centered around me and the fact that I had this young baby and how I felt about it and I just did not expect that at all I thought you know even if they are fine about it and even if I can continue my line of work I'm just gonna have to pretend that I don't have a three-month-old baby at home (laughs) and it just like wasn't the case so I think that's been really reassuring that you can still I suppose I suppose with like the right the right kind of work environment or the right team around you you can still have your normal life or your normal work life and also have a baby so that's been quite reassuring
1: that's incredible because I feel like that's such a positive story to hear because that is just not what you hear at all like women get pregnant and they're suddenly like oh like or they get like maternity cover to come in and then they never rehire them after the maternity cover and maybe like the industry you're in it's quite lucky because they're probably slightly more advanced in those kind of things but I think that is one of the biggest fears like so many of my friends I know maybe would have a baby sooner, but it's like, we can't risk that, like, the risk with our careers which men just don't have that like yeah my wife's pregnant and then they get a promotion <laughs> yeah <laughs> but how's it impacted like you said you did feel a bit like you're going to be missing out with your friends how has it p- impacted like your social life and things like I think at the minute and I'm quite guilty people say this to me because I've had a year of like going out a lot because I had a big breakup last year and so I just suddenly was like with my friends the whole time and like doing all these really fun like late 20s partying and I think when you're watching that from the other side like some people are like oh my god you're making me feel like I'm doing nothing but I think whichever side you look at it it always feels like it's better on the other side but i didn't That's sorry so ineloquently put (laughs) no i know know exactly what what
2: you mean it's like i think the grass not even the grass is greener but it's like you're always going to feel like you're missing out on something and you're always going to put pressure on yourself and feel like you're not doing you're not doing it right or you're not doing what this other person's doing and you know instagram is the worst for that because you're constantly comparing yourself in some way to someone else like Now I have that as a mum, but I also have that as someone in my late 20s. Well, I'm 30 now. Um, I'm very officially an adult. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I think I, I mean, I was definitely, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of like, Eternally optimistic in everything I do. And I was definitely naive when I came to how little, when I thought about how little it was going to change my life. I was right. like, I think they're just going to sort of like maybe slot in. And I was like, no, I'll just be like out and the baby will be there. And I'll be at work and the baby will be there. And like, I, I was sort of, yeah, I was like t- torn between those two things of kind of like, well, I'm obviously never going to work again. And then also being like, it'll be fine. I'll just bring the baby to work with me. And it, of course, it's changed my life. It's completely different to how it was before but not in the ways that I thought it was going to be so it's really hard to articulate it's like you know there's all the cliches of like I don't want to go out as much because like I'm happy to go home and like hang out with my baby and he's like really jokes and (laughs) (laughs) like we have a good time and I'm tired and I don't want to like go out until four in the morning anymore but I also you know I and again it's like I think I'm lucky that I've I work in an industry where I'm freelance, I can go back and do sort of a few days here and there. And so I've been able to slot back into my old life quite quickly and quite easily. And I, th- I know I appreciate that that's not the case for everyone. Yeah. Like, you know, if you work really long hours for the NHS, you can't just kind of like slot in and do a couple of days here and there. So I, I feel really fortunate in that sense. But I think being able to get back to work has enabled me to like feel like myself. And so then it's made me more comfortable sometimes leaving him overnight. And if I want to go out with my friends, I can with go someone, with my friends. Yeah, like hang out with someone, obviously. bye. Yeah, he's really, really <laughs> self sufficient. Really yeah. Yeah, he's great. He just puts himself to sleep, <laughs> makes himself an omelette, and he, he's fine.
1: But I remember thinking that once. I was like, I remember saying it to my mum, I think so. My eldest sister, I have three nieces, and my eldest niece is nine. And I remember being like, oh my God, you can't just leave them if you go to the shop. My mum was like, no. I was like, can't you just put them in a cot? I thought you could just go. I think I must have been like 19 at the time. But it blew my mind i was like oh no that is a lot to deal <laughs> oh, with. Wow! it's like you literally can never it's not like a dog that you can just like be like i'll be back in a minute yeah. i was like you have to watch them all the time my mom was like all the time yeah like, God, that is quite it's a stressful. Lot. it's a lot <laughs> but yeah i think
2: you know i i think i definitely have still had i mean i don't go out obviously every weekend but i have been out since i've had the baby and it's been really fun and i still see my friends and i think that Yeah, I feel like I've been able to maintain that balance of of being a mum and really enjoying that while also still trying to keep some parts of myself before... I was a mom
1: I think as well there's something about like because I do think this is about having a kid I so I have a few friends that had children when we were like in our early 20s and I got a bit jealous sometimes because I'm like god their moms are so young so they've got like amazing grandparent support because their parents are still really young and then they're going to be able to like when they're in their 40s their kids going to be like so grown up they can just swan off and do anything and I think we forget that whichever period you have your kids you're gonna get freedom it's just on the other side of the channel yeah and I think sometimes everyone thinks oh my god if you have kids in your 20s are gonna miss out in your 20s but if we're having kids like in our late 30s and 40s like your retirement's screwed <laughs> like <do> you know <laughs> what I mean when, when you're like having your lunchtime rosé or whatever you're doing yeah like, our, someone might have a four-year-old so I think that like <clears throat> children are always gonna mean that you're gonna have to sacrifice like portions of your life and sometimes I think we get too hepped up on you know, like the 20s being this time. And actually whenever I speak to anyone, they're always like, your 20s are the worst years yeah. <laughs> of your life. It just gets better. It just gets better <laughs> and that's better. What everyone
2: says. Yeah, and I think that's true. And, you know, that comes back to like, and again, this is such a cliche, but everyone says there's no right time to have a kid. And like, I, I don't think I'd have ever been able to find the right time. I'd have been like, oh, well, this is happening at work or, you know, I've got tickets to Glastonbury next year or, <laughs> or like, I've, I'm doing this or I'm doing that. And there'd have been a thousand different reasons that I'd have put it off and put it off. And so for me, it's almost a relief that I had this this decision that was kind of taken out of my hands because I think I'd have found it really difficult to commit to it at any point. And I'd yeah. have always felt like it wasn't the right time. And I think what I've learned is that like, you know, there isn't really a right time. You It's like hard work and it, it does change your life massively, but it's great as well. And, and you can still do everything. You can kind of still make it work.
1: There's a really, I haven't read it, but he shared a quote, Rob Delaney from his new book. He posted, whenever someone tells me they're expecting their first baby and they're nervous, I tell them the following. Oh my goodness, that's wonderful. I'm so happy for you. Listen, of course you're nervous, but here's the deal. You're ready for all the bad stuff. You've been tired before. You've been in pain before. You've been worried about money before. You felt like an incapable moron before. So you'll be fine with all the difficult parts. You're already a pro. What you're not ready for is the wonderful parts. Nothing can prepare you for how amazing this will be. There's no practice for that. And I remember I had, isn't that like. That's so nice. It's so nice. It's so true. Because I think there is this other aspect where people also really want to be like. Em Clarkson posted this actually. I don't know if you follow her, but she's pregnant yeah, in a minute, and she was like, "Please, can everyone stop DMing me?" Going like, "Well, enjoy this now, because once the baby's here, and she's like, I am trying to enjoy it, but you keep making me yeah, really stressed." I, saw that. I think I
2: messaged her after that actually, because I was like, "It's really great, don't worry."
1: <laughs> I think there's so much shame, and also it then can make you almost preemptively make things worse because you're so terrified. And like, I think on the one hand, it's good. I feel like we've been so enlightened as a generation to learn about motherhood. I listen to so many parenting podcasts. So God knows why. I'm like, I feel like very clued up, and like, I'm always trying to read up. on like. Like how and so I think our generation are really aware I think it almost could have gone too far the other way Where I think people are terrified now of, of parenting because yeah. it feels like oh my god my life's going to be hell but like like that quote says you, you're you're exhausted and you might feel the awful but like the yeah. payoffs are huge <laughs> and it's
2: so hard because I think this is true of so many different topics but it's like in this bid to be sort of real or relatable people you know share all of the difficulties of motherhood which like of course there are some and like it's important that that content is there but then sometimes it's like you you don't want to appear like someone who's enjoying it too much or who's like bragging about your baby and so you know you find yourself being like oh god yes and he's a nightmare honestly (laughs) 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 like making up things that my baby's doing that he's not doing because like I don't want people to sort of think that I'm Uh, bragging or you know enjoying it too much it's like well actually that's not right either you know you can't scaremonger people into into thinking that it's all going to be this sort of like hellish no sleep nightmare (laughs) because it's like it's not that like of course there are parts that are hard and like no baby is is you know an absolute dream but it's it's great and like it's it's also possible to have a life and be a mum and to still be you and I think that sometimes that message can be Lost a bit,
1: yeah. How do you so? How do you find that with your identity? You know, some people like I had a baby and then immediately now I feel like I'm not Ellie anymore. I'm just this woman who's like feeding a baby with her boobs and it's like the carrot. Did, did that happen to you? That like l- loss of identity? Yeah, I
2: think definitely in the early weeks, particularly because also what I hadn't appreciated is how little you get back from a newborn baby. <laughs> like it just like he just, he didn't do anything for like weeks and like it takes like four or five weeks to smile even so they're just sort of like there and your nipples are bleeding and <laughs> like and and they just want to feed all the time or cry and it's like I think I have really hadn't appreciated how hard and how unrewarding those first few weeks would be I thought it was gonna be this like amazing bubble and I'd just be like glowing and breastfeeding yeah. as I around the house in like a <laughs> silk gown um <laughs> it wasn't the case and so yeah so I definitely had that I think for the first few weeks where I just sort of was but also in those first few weeks, you're just trying to adjust and cope, and it's absolutely mental. And you're just like, what, is, what has happened? But I think, I think for me, again, it's like lucky that I could get back to work. I mean, it's, it's so it's funny because I feel like everything I say is contradictory. But on the one hand, I was like feeling so guilty about the fact that I went back to work so early, and he's like the youngest baby in nursery, and it's just you know, I felt awful about that. But on the flip side, I I think it's great that I've been able to get that sense of identity back. And so I think I've enjoyed motherhood a lot more because I'm still enjoying those other parts of my life.
1: It's like what you were saying, and it kind of is like on a micro level what this series of the of the podcast is about, but it's everyone's motherhood will look very different and everyone will do it in a way that works for them. But there is so much kind of like scripture about the right way to do it and how to be a good mother and what the right time is. And any kind of deviation I think can make other people feel insecure about their choices. And I don't know why with motherhood, but it's definitely one of the most sort of like heated and fertile grounds for sort of like anger and frustration and projection. And like whenever I see like M. Clarkson's post or like anyone that's pregnant online or has like a young child, I think it's just because women are constantly being judged anyway. That then then there's such a sense of frustration when something doesn't work for you in a way that it did for someone else, and it ends up being yeah a lot of projection. I think.
2: Yeah, and and
1: don't even get me started on
2: sort of like the amount of advice on (laughs) mothering or like parenting there is online. Then like it's an overload of sort of information, and everyone is telling you how to do it. And if you don't do this thing, you're doing it wrong. And it's it's a minefield. And in the end, I've just given up, sort of trying to actually do anything that any of the experts say because it's just like it's too difficult and they all say different things but it is I think that it's such a it's a very vulnerable time just in terms of like the hormones and also you know feeling isolated from from other parts of your life and I think that it doesn't help when there is this real sense of yeah judgment if you if you make any mistakes or if you do anything that's different to someone else
1: it is complicated I think that like it, it also what you're saying about not looking at advice I think this is the really interesting space that we're in like again everything's becoming so intellectualized whereas before it was sort of about this idea it's very natural and you kind of figure it out and you go along and you'll, the baby will arrive and you'll just know what to do and now everyone's going well actually <laughs> it's blah blah yeah. blah and it, there is so many conflicting things that like, I love listening to Rob Beckett and Josh Widdicombe's podcast do you ever listen to it it's like parenting how and it's about like all these celebrities talking about how they raise their kids but it's so funny because they all have these really specific evangelical ideas about the best way to like, <laughs> make your baby sleep or the best way and then and all of them are completely different and, and it just makes you realise that actually there's there's no right way. There really isn't. And like, there's no... Babies are so different.
2: Like, they're all so different and they've got their own personalities and they dictate really what happens i'm a totally different mum to the one that i expected to be i thought i was going to be like super chilled and just like he'd just be like hanging out with me wherever i went and i'm obsessed with routine oh (laughs) really yeah which is like not what i expected at all but it's because my baby likes routine and i've just sort of been led really by what he needs and you know i tried to read all these books and i was sort of like to the letter trying to follow 15 different parenting guides and in the end i was like okay i'm gonna work it out on my own I still need something quite structured, but I'm I'm not going to read all these different books because it was stressing me out too much yeah. trying to do it right. And yeah, that's the, I think that's the main that's the main thing that I want all parents to kind of know is that whatever you're doing is probably right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter what anyone else is doing. It's like stop comparing yourself to all these other parents. Stop comparing your baby to other babies. Just try and enjoy it because. You're gonna drive yourself mad.
1: Otherwise, maybe I need to have a baby to get better with my routine. <laughs> Sounds so. like they're yeah. really good at getting used. <laughs> Because even like my sister had these, you know, when they do the little like, oh, I can't remember, not milestones. What are they called? You know, the babies and like, every age. Yeah, milestones. They do, is it the milestone? They do yeah. like a different thing. And I was like, God, that is quite a lot of like stress. To me putting like, they'll be like, well, so and so did this. They reached their third milestone at four weeks or whatever because they're yeah. they're like really granular, aren't they? If you do. They are, of- but
2: they're also nonsense. It's like honestly, you'll have sort of. This health visitor will be completely going mental if your baby's not walking by one. But it's like adults all learn to walk. Like, yeah. It's, it's, like, so true. it's not like there's a baby that didn't walk by one and just like now, like he's like scooting around age 30. <laughs> like it's not, it's I just think that we put so much pressure on things like that when really they will probably yeah. be fine. And yeah. like some babies will be, you know, like I've I've now got mum friends because I'm a mum now. And all of our babies are doing different things and like one of them will be great in one area and then you know not as advanced in another and then you know my baby will be really advanced in one respect but then not very good at this other bit and it's just it, it I think that yeah you just have to kind of like accept who they are and try and be as relaxed as possible I don't know I probably sound like a dickhead to people listening but it's just like you've no. got, to, you got to like try, I just think you've got to try and enjoy it because otherwise like what is the point in doing it if you're just gonna like stress and hate every minute
1: So I wanted to ask, because you've got a new documentary coming out, which I keep seeing amazing press for, and I want to talk to you about what it is. Actually, let's talk about what it is first, because then my follow-up question is, how does being a mother and having that identity now change how you approach, like, the situations that you put yourself in work? Because I don't know, would you say this is probably the most dangerous or probably the most, like, kind of scary situation in terms of, like, where you've gone with your investigative journalism?
2: Yeah, I think this is probably, it's definitely the most scared I have felt making a documentary. So... Basically, what happens is I've made a documentary about sexual harassment, trying to show how prevalent it is and trying to show the reality of what women face. So I did a number of undercover stunts. And one was I signed up to a lot of dating apps using photos of me when I was 18 and just got inundated with dick pics. Oh, my Uh, God. So many dick pics. And then another part was I went undercover on two nights out in one weekend. So once in Liverpool, once in London. And the idea was to show... I was acting drunk and the idea was to show what kind of behavior you encounter as a drunk woman separated from her friends on a night out. And so across the two nights, I was followed three times, once by two men, twice by solo men. And one of the men came all the way back to my hotel room where I confronted him and asked why he'd followed me there. And, you know, the whole time that they were sort of interacting with me on the street, I, you know, I I didn't really say I never, ever consented to them following me. I never suggested that they came back to my hotel you know I was just saying things like I'm fine on my own I don't need any help I'm gonna find my friends a- and they continue to follow me and yeah it was I was so I've I've been undercover before and I'm quite good at compartmentalizing I can sort of I don't think you have to be to do my line of work I can mm. take myself out of it and I can take the emotion out of it and you know I'm a journalist who's there to report on on facts and this is the most sort of emotionally invested I think I felt and it really I mean as soon as the guy leaves the hotel room I just burst into mm. tears which is really really unlike me and I just yeah I, th- I don't know if it was because I'd recently had a baby and it all just and everything just felt very heightened or if it was just the subject matter particularly got me it definitely has I think changed my I mean in just thinking about this documentary like you know I feel a huge amount of pressure raising a baby and, Mm. you know, how do you teach them about all of these big world issues and how do you make them into a good person? And that's, like, a, a huge pressure that I think I feel. And then also, yeah, in terms of my line of work, I definitely... I used to, I would have said yes to pretty much anything and I'd have thrown myself into any situation I think whereas now I would definitely be more careful about what I take on.
1: I know, I'm going to watch the documentary so I don't want to ask too many questions but when, can I ask you more about it because I just think it's, You can. <laughs> uh, because I think it's so important, it's so good to, to speak about So as I said like just before recording this I was talking to a couple of my guy friends they were like, oh my God, I've seen this documentary she's doing. And they're like, can't believe it, I'm so shocked. And I was like, oh no, I'm not, that doesn't shock me at all. Like I, I, the amount, also sometimes I think I'm being, I feel like I'm being followed all the time and sometimes some, a man's just walking behind you. But even that, your heart is like, oh my God. How are you being filmed? Have you got a body camera? Are there people nearby? Like, Or did you genuinely feel alone in the moment when they're like coming with you?
2: So... I was wearing a hidden camera. And then I had members of the team stationed around me who were also wearing hidden cameras. And I had a specialized security team. So I had one guy who was following me out on the street. And I had another guy who was hiding in the bathroom of my hotel room. Okay, so I was really well protected. And I knew, you know, I had a safe word. I knew that if anything were to happen, I had people sort of right, right there who could step in. But when I was you know, when I'm in the moment and I'm in character, and I'd had an acting lesson to teach me how to be drunk.
1: I was going to, uh, that's quite
2: difficult to do. It is really hard. Although she basically said, have you been drunk before? Just remember. And I had so much experience that I actually, <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I think I did all right.
1: Also, uh, I suppose if they've been drinking as well, if they've yeah. been out, it's quite hard to gauge. And it's quite, and,
2: and it's easier in a way. I think what's really difficult in this, and it's sort of like my criticism of anyone acting drunk on TV is almost when you have to talk or when mm. you have to act kind of tipsy and it just never yeah, ever really the resonates is too yeah whereas like i was sort of you know i was so past that point of being drunk where i just wasn't really responding and i just had to kind of like stumble and not answer which is a lot easier to do yeah than actually trying to like have a conversation while pretending to be drunk
1: so like the thing that is shocking or like just validates why i need to do this is you will film this documentary you go out twice to go, and within that like it's not like you had to keep going out and try and find an instance when someone would do this it happened literally like that straight yeah. away
2: and that's what i think is most shocking is this could happen on i i feel certain that on any night out in any city in the UK, if I went out and did that, it would happen. Yeah, I think something would happen, and that's I think what's shocking. But you're right. I think women, for women, it's totally unsurprising mm. because we've, and that's why I wanted to make this program. And sexual harassment is something that I've really wanted to tackle for a long time, and I've never quite know, I've never quite known how to do it because I think we've, I think we're so accustomed to hearing about all of these sort of awful experiences, and you know sometimes they're really glamorized for TV mm. and. So people expect all this like graphic, graphic, awful detail whenever they're they're hearing about this kind of topic. And so I think sometimes when you're trying to explain the weight of like a comment or a look or someone following you, people just don't get it. And by people, I mean, often men don't get it because it's like, well, it's, you know, it, it becomes this scale where it's like, well, that's not as bad as this. And, you know, that's definitely not as bad as that thing. When actually it's all a spectrum, it's all a continuum, really, where the reason that I feel so frightened when you catcall me or when you sort of stare at me for too long is because I think that this could be the next step or I I don't know what your intentions are and I don't know whether you're a good person or a bad person. And it's really trying to highlight that, I think.
1: Yeah. And it's just so insidious as well, because it's like these men What's the after process with the men that then have been filmed following you? Do you have to, do they have to contact them or? So we were
2: required to protect the men's identities in order to comply with our legal and regulatory duties because of the secret filming. And then we haven't reported what happens to the police. We do have the footage, but we don't have any details about who the men were or any. we don't know anything about them. But we're just hoping that by transmitting the film, it's going to raise awareness and get people talking.
1: It definitely absolutely will. And I think that it's that fact that it's these things happen in the dark when people are on their own. And it's not to say that I think like, obviously, I do agree that it's not all men, but it is all types of men. And I think that's what's like the differentiation. It's obviously not every man out there is is like causing harm to women but it comes in every aspect and I think that's why when it's like someone that's just following you home after the club it's not like like you said how it's like kind of really sensationalized in the press it's like oh my god like taken is what people imagine
2: and the thing is, is is and someone told me I think someone I spoke to for the documentary gave me this analogy which I thought was really good for this where she was like a man is like a loaded gun where If I go into a room and there's a gun there, I don't know if the gun's loaded or not. So I don't know if that gun could kill me, but it's a gun. And I know that some guns could kill me. And if it was loaded, it could kill me. So I'm going to treat it with caution. And it's exactly the same with men. It's like, I don't know anything about you. You're a stranger to me, but I know that some men are dangerous. So until I know whether you're a dangerous man or not, I'm going to treat you with caution.
1: That is such a good analogy. Isn't it? That's so good to explain that. You touched on this briefly, but obviously with raising a son, Cause this is something I think we talk so much about like raising daughters to be like protected in society or whatever. And then we're like, actually it's the men that like you said that that is something that preoccupies you. Is it something that you're already thinking about? I mean, I know he's only seven months old, so you can't be like, look, I'm I'm schooling him.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, it is. It's, you know, it's something that I feel, I do feel really conscious of. And it's something that I definitely want to try and bring into my parenting. I don't know how you approach that and and it is more important I think to educate our sons than it is to educate our daughters because this is ingrained in girls and yeah. this is something that we again touched on in the documentary like from school age we are taught to police ourselves to be aware of our surroundings to not wear things that might you know incite some sort of violence like as if wearing something can incite violence but men aren't or young boys aren't taught to check each other or to about what kind of behaviors can be seen as predatory or what can be scary for a girl in the same way that girls are taught about you know the things that men do that scare them
1: and what about like how how's it with your partner is he really hands-on with the baby how's all that being? because like in the first few weeks i didn't know this either but apparently isn't it like they always get really upset because they're basically useless because you just have to breastfeed. I didn't realise that. There's nothing. They always want to be really helpful and actually the mum's like, get out.
2: Yeah, I like, I can't leave. Yeah, yeah. For, he was just sort of cleaning the house for, <laughs> for the first month, which is great. Great, loved um, Loved it. No, he's great. He's really hands-on. And yeah, I feel really lucky, to be honest. I feel very supported, you know, from my partner, from my family. My friends are all excited for me as well. And I know that I'm really fortunate to have all of that support around me. So yeah, it definitely makes it easier, I think. And it probably makes it much more enjoyable process
1: and is he is he the same age as you or is he he's a bit older he's a few years older yeah and is he so
2: his friends already started having kids or are they a couple of them yeah so yeah there's like one of his friends has recently had twins and then there's a couple of older kids in the group as well but still not that many of his friends have
1: yeah and what did you think like the gender decision was like when it happened we it sounded like you were both pretty in unison with your like reactions and like how you wanted to go through with it but did you find that when you were thinking about these pressures, did he understand it or was he kind of like quite?
2: He was actually so supportive. He was really, he was really just like, you know, whatever you want to do, this is your decision. Like, I'll do it now if you want to do it. If you want to wait, then we could do that. And he was, yeah, he was great, really. I couldn't have like asked for more to be That's honest. so nice. Yeah,
1: Cause I think like, especially with me and my friends, like when we were, especially when I'd like broken up with my ex, and some of my friends were getting married and some of us were single and then some of the guys are single and the girls we started having these conversations like right we're 28 so I'm 29 that's yeah. so I'm 30 then so I need to have a baby if I want to be married by the time and then we we're like doing all this maths in our heads and we were like okay so I need to have met someone like two months ago yeah. <laughs> and then we would speaking to the boys and they were like oh but we can just like go up someone that's like 23 and we were like because we don't have that, like, time thing where not only can they, like, keep having babies up until they're, like, 60s, but also they all just could start dating girls way younger than them and then, like, again, extend their, like, timeline of how long they've got to have kids. And we were like, this is so unfair. Yeah. Because all of us were starting... I think it's, like, when you got- get to around 28 is the age when you're, like... Because you're about to... You're approaching 30 or, like, really in your late 20s. The fear does start to set in. Yeah. Even if logically or, like, illogically you feel like that it doesn't need to be there. And then w- with... Man, it's like 29 for a man is the equivalent of being like 22 for a woman. Yeah, you know I no, mean? it's true, it's true.
2: And I think that timeline thing's really interesting as well. And I think basically it's just like life throws things at you and then that gets completely like blown up where, yeah. you know, I like I had this timeline where I was like, right, okay, so like we've been together for this many years and then we'll probably get married and then we'll like buy a house and then we will get a dog and then like, you know, like eight years later I'll have a baby. And then all of a sudden I had to have a baby the next minute and it was (laughs) like oh okay so like when am I gonna do any of those other things and I think that that's just really like life doesn't end up in that sort of linear pattern where you end up doing everything on time but you don't have a five-year plan for for your life really and I think that it's really yeah we put so much pressure on ourselves to like hit all these milestones like babies yeah like I've got so many friends that are ending long-term relationships now and are like moving abroad or having career changes and are doing all of these amazing things and it just makes you realize that like happiness and fulfillment has so many different packages and it's mm. not just being with someone getting engaged getting married having a baby like that can be it for some people and of course those things can bring you fulfillment but it doesn't have to look like that
1: it's not the only- yeah it's empowering yeah. to think that like oh i haven't gone wrong just cuz i've not gone down that route yeah well that's a really nice note to end on could you what else i think the documentary sadly will already be out and done when this is out. But what else are you working on? Is there anything you can tell us about that I you've, can you've got coming You can also up? watch it on All4. Oh yeah, definitely <laughs> do watch it in hindsight. Yeah, yeah. Yes,
2: you can watch the documentary now on All4. It's called Undercover Sexual Harassment: The Truth. And I am working on a podcast investigation for spotify at the moment any
1: more details we're not it's top secret it's top secret okay
2: i can never give too many details basically until it's coming out but i'm working on that and then yeah hopefully got a few more projects lined up for next year
1: amazing oh well it's been such a pleasure to speak to you thank you so much for you joining too. me That was nice me. to find you in real life i
2: know not just instagram messages <laughs> i know
1: <laughs> in your dm amazing well thank you so much for listening everyone and i will see you next week